0: Welcome to Simple Faith with host Dale Carlson, bringing solid Christian answers to your questions and concerns.
1: Simple Faith on life-changing radio. Here's host Dale Carlson. International Christian Partnership. It actually started as India Christian Partnership. I um, Way back a long time ago, actually 1968, I was a youth pastor at a Philadelphia church downtown, and a, a young man, a student, came into church one day. He was from India. It turned out that his pastor was a Pentecostal uh, preacher there. His father was a Pentecostal preacher there in India, and he was coming for his studies. Well, I had long had um, interest in that uh, country because of, um, and in missions because of my parents. So, anyway, we struck up a good friendship and uh, then we went our separate ways and 20 years later 1988 i got a call from him saying that he was uh, putting together a tour of pastors going to india would i like to go along so i decided i would go to make a long story short i ended up going alone none of the other pastors were able to attend and he himself wasn't able to get a visa so that month i spent a whole month in india by myself going from place to place, and the Lord touched my heart with the need of the pastors. And I decided, and I felt led of the Lord, that I should begin this ministry to care for, to provide uh, support, encouragement, and training for pastors in the more needy places of the world. So that's how it got started. And then uh, it just has grown from there. Um, I've had the opportunity to travel to 14 countries to meet with pastors, to provide teaching seminars and training. And, and uh, we're right now um, involved with several of those countries on ongoing way, supporting the pastors, providing financial support, but also helping them, you know, gather together. Uh, during the pandemic, of course, I wasn't able to travel. So yeah. we've been able to, um, uh, we do, we've designated pastoral leaders in seven different areas and they lead groups of pastors in their areas and then we meet with those leaders by Zoom so that I can continue to keep in touch with them. Um, So ICP is a a way of doing missions by using the resources that are already in those countries and we feel that it's a much more efficient and effective way to do missions uh, rather than um you know the spending the large amount of money that are needed to send a person from this country to, to those countries. Oh. So
2: so when you were there, uh Pastor Chadwick uh for that month, you know, and you said God touched your heart to uh to reach out and, and to support those pastors, what was it that God showed you?
1: Well I ended up at one of the places that I was in, there was a, a, a conference for pastors. And um, I had just a, a short presentation during that because there were a number of other leaders I wasn't really in charge or involved in any way except that I was a guest. And, uh, but I listened to what was being taught. I observed the, the pastors, I got to know some of them. And I began to realize that in many of those areas, pastors were very sorely under-trained. And so the lord just put it on my heart that um you know i've had the wonderful privilege of a good education and training and experience and i needed to i needed to share that and so actually it was on my trip home in the air, airline coming across the atlantic where i just felt very strongly impressed with the lord that every two years or so i would have to go back and uh, offer what i could to those pastors
2: mm-hmm. you know it just uh, strikes me that uh that getting to know those pastors uh, is what it took to uh, to for God to call you, and I think that's so important in in any ministry that we're doing is that we're getting to know people. Uh, sometimes we just kind of skip over the getting to know people, and uh, we just want to tell them what we do know. <laughs> you know what I mean?
1: Well, well yeah. And uh, what I've learned is that um, on our side, there are many who are suspicious of of supporting. Pastures in foreign lands because they're always afraid that maybe their money is not going to be used properly and it's going to be corruption involved and and so forth and but what I've been able to do because I've been on spice and I've spent a lot of time with these pastors I know their hearts. I know their motivations and They have my full confidence that when we send them funds to distribute to their needy pastors and they do give reports back regularly as to how those funds are fed. But we have full confidence because we know that these are really, truly men of God that just need a little a little help, a little encouragement. That's what we're trying to offer. Okay. Mm.
0: Uh, Pastor Chadwick, I wanted to ask you, what what are the major areas of need that those pastors uh, need help with?
1: Well, it, it varies from place to place. we targeted some of the most economically needy places. Um, for, for example, we've just taken on uh, the country of Burundi, and to be honest with you, I never even heard of Burundi uh, before. It's a small East African country, um, and it's the, it's the poorest country in all of Africa. And these passengers, uh, most of them have to supply their own livelihood by their own efforts, they may have a, uh, a couple of animals or a small farm or something like that. Um, occasionally, they'll get some tithes uh, or offerings from their churches, but they're extremely impoverished, so that that support is lacking. And when they have medical issues, uh, they don't have the ability to get the help, so we've been able to supply some of that. In addition to that, um, in some of the areas, the opposition is very strong. And so, uh, just coming in from our side and saying to them, "Look, you're not forgotten. We remember you. We're praying for you. You're doing a good job. God is with you. God is strengthening you. Keep on." You know that just gives them that little bit of uh, extra uh, I- encouragement to, in oh, the face of their opposition. Okay. Wow.
0: So you kind of come, come. Just the fact that you come alongside them uh, with with encouragement. In, when they're struggling, when they're looking at a lot of opposition, that makes a difference in their uh, in their work and their ministry.
1: Well, that's what we feel and we see it happen because you know we'll never we'll never get to minister to the people in their areas, and no Western missionaries or even European missionaries get to some of those areas. And it's all up to the local pastors to spread the gospel and to meet the needs of their people. So by our giving them a little bit of encouragement, a little bit of strength, maybe a little bit of training, a little bit of biblical knowledge, um, they can be much more effective. Their people uh, will become effective. We have a very simple model. It simply says, strong pastors build strong churches and strong churches spread the gospel. That's what we're doing.
2: It's exciting for me to hear about those pastors that are so committed that it's, it's not money, it's not a career for them, it's its really a passion uh, to, uh, to uh, be Jesus to these people.
1: Well, yeah, many of them would not have the ability financially uh, to gather together for prayer. Um, so partly what we do is we help them to do that so they can be together, pray for each other. In fact, uh, n- next month I'll be doing a um, a meeting with a group of 50 pastors uh, in that particular area. They're able to set up a, a, a large screen television in their room and these pastors will be there and I'll be speaking directly to them through an interpreter. Mm-hmm. And the fact that they're able to come together and they're gonna spend the whole day together in prayer um, and and we help them so that they can do this. Otherwise, they're left totally alone where they are. Oh,
0: wow. So, and many of these pastors are facing a lot of opposition from local people that want to shut them up or get yeah, them out of there?
1: The area. For example, um, we're working with a pastoral leader in Pakistan, and part of his ministry is to a group of churches and pastors up in the northern Uh, part of the country which borders Afghanistan. And there have been uh, quite an influx of uh, Taliban uh, radicals who have come into that area and caused a tremendous amount of difficulty for the churches because they're, you know, radical Muslims. Uh, In fact, uh, when I was there, um, two weeks after I left, I had a seminar way up there in those mountains, I mean, you know, the leader wouldn't even let me walk out alone anywhere because of the danger. But two weeks after I was there, uh, the radical Muslim group attacked a Christian school. And in fact, uh, two children of one of our pastors was killed along with others in that school. And that's the kind of thing that they're facing. In another area, in in India, it's the radical Hindus. And we had one pastor who had to go into hiding for uh, a month uh, in in order to escape uh, being killed by the um, by this radical element. Uh, and I can tell you other stories of, of things that they are facing there that uh, to us is really strange and not and, and of our experience.
0: And you're able to talk with these pastors kind of face-to-face by way of
1: Zoom? Well, yes, since, like I said, since I haven't been able to travel, um, I meet with the pastoral leaders so I can hear their reports, and, and they tell me, about their meetings with the pastors and, and so forth. But then there's um, uh, one group, like I said, that they're able to have me come right into their, their monthly group. Oh. Um, I've done this now twice before, I'll do it again, so that I can talk with them directly.
0: Ah, oh, and they see you in person.
1: Yes. Wow. Yes, and, and it, it means a lot to me. You know, I, I'm just a plain, ordinary pastor. I don't have any any worldwide fame. I, you know, but just the fact that someone uh, is interested in them, cares about them, is praying for them, uh, giving them a little, bit of, uh, a little bit of assistance, it means so much to them. Yeah, and they want, uh, you know, they want me to come, they want me to be there um, so that they can see me. And, I, and Lord willing, I will.
0: Well, it sounds, though, to me, it sounds like uh, <coughs> your credentials come kind of <coughs> directly from the Lord.
1: Well, y- yes, uh, of, of course. I'm, I'm, I've had the um, the luxury of having a good education. I uh, graduated from Bible College, Assemblies of God Bible College in Green Lane, Pennsylvania. I have a, I have a master's degree with Eastern Baptist Seminary in Philadelphia, and I have a doctorate from Hartford Seminary in Connecticut, so I have a a good training base and I've had almost 60 years of pastoral experience, so I can bring all of that uh, to bear, Um, and then with the impetus and with the call and with the motive of the Holy Spirit working in me, uh, I feel like I'm able to offer them something that will be lasting for them.
0: Are you able to do like scripture, Bible study with, with these pastors?
1: Well, well. When I travel, when I'm with them, I will spend a whole day with groups of pastors, giving them biblical training, oh. uh, mainly, mainly helping them to understand from a biblical perspective what is their role as pastors. Um, there's some doctrinal things that I'm able to share. You know, in some of these countries, they have been um, they've been tampered with by uh, some false doctrines. Oh. Uh, So I'm able to give them a little bit of stability that way. So yes, I'm able to do that. Whenever I meet with the pastoral leaders, either I or someone uh, that I bring in will give them a a brief biblical uh, lesson, uh, exhortation from the scripture to to help stabilize them. And then we say to them, look, we're not just talking to you, we're talking through you to all of your pastors. So in any of those uh, meetings, they are represented, maybe there's a dozen on the screen, but they are representing hundreds of pastors
2: mm.
1: uh, from oh. that area.
2: So, I, I think I heard you say you have 60 years of pastoral experience, you're no spring chicken.
1: <laughs> well i don't know what that i don't know what that means except that i, I don't have much spring, i don't have my spring in my step <laughs> well I, I
2: i think that means what it means to uh to jim and to bob and i over here we're all old guys yeah, uh, yeah i don't think i don't think retirement has a place in our in, in our uh, christianity does it
1: <laughs> well yeah i so-called retired from full-time ministry in 2010 I had been serving as assembly of God pastor in a place called Hamburg, New Jersey, for ten years, and then we we moved to where we are now. <clears throat> but yes, the um, uh, ministry goes on. I've served in a number of churches as an interim pastor. I'm doing pulpit supply regularly, and and then keeping up this um, this missions work at the same time. <clears throat> so, actually, uh, this this year I'll be I'll be turning 80 this year. Oh my!
2: Well, oh, you're still young. Yeah, Jim, Jim's 92. Okay,
1: <laughs>
2: Yeah, I, I, just, I think this is God's retirement plan. I, I just, you know, I, I somebody told me I retired here a few years ago too, but, uh, but <laughs> I haven't noticed much. But uh, it's, it's good to be in the, it's good to be in the, in the saddle, uh, and, uh, and just uh, feeling the blessings from God as we do the work that God has called us to do. We're going to take a break now. And, uh, and so uh, we'll be right back uh, with, with uh, Pastor Neil Chadwick and his International Christian Partnership, and we've got lots more to talk about. So we'll see you in just a couple minutes. God bless. Welcome back to Simple Faith Radio. Uh, we're sure glad to uh, have you hear us again. And uh, um, we're on the line with uh, Dr. Neil Chadwick from International Christian Partnership and learning about his ministry that's, uh, so far, we, we know it's taking place in uh, Pakistan, and in India, it's all over the country, pastors helping themselves, uh, and, uh, and, and Pastor Chadwick, through his organization, helping them. So when you talk, uh, Pastor Chadwick, about, uh, about uh, the ministers helping themselves and, and supporting uh, each other, what does that look like?
1: Well, part of our effort is to bring them together, to give them even the economic ability to travel, to come together for a day or two days' uh, time together. And then uh, uh, we're able to uh, share with them, uh, pray with them, and then encourage them to, um, to share their prayer requests, their prayer needs, to pray, to pray for them. So what, what we're doing is trying to help them realize the importance of being together, uh, of supporting one another, praying for one another so that they don't feel feel alone. They don't Mm -hmm. feel like they're out there all by themselves that there are others that are uh, caring for them. And and we train our pastoral leaders to um, reach out. Uh, One of the blessings of the day is that uh, in many areas, they do have They do have cell phones. So, our pastoral leaders, even during the epidemic, they're able to keep in touch with these pastors by telephone to encourage them. Uh, They go and visit their churches uh, and give them whatever help they can. The the, the point is very simple is that we feel that they can do a lot better job of reaching their own areas than we could ever do.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Is this something that you do kind of on your own, or do you have other people on your staff that help out or other volunteers that help out uh, Pastor Chadwick?
1: Yeah, um, I've had the um, the benefit of a couple of, a few of my trips I've had others join with me, other uh, pastors or evangelists or with me and to share in the ministry. I do have a, um, um, I, I did set up a 5013C, um, and so we do have an official board uh, the only person right now that does a lot of the work is our treasurer. Uh, she takes care of all the disbursements to all of our pastors and keeps track of our uh, our funds and so forth. Uh, other than that, it's it's pretty much what the Lord has led us to do, um, and it's been going on. I was doing it when I was a pastor. Uh, it's, it's kind of like we're the thinking of money pastor ministry. So we don't have a large organization. Uh, we don't have large funding from anywhere. We have a, a couple of churches that uh, help us financially. We have some individuals that, that send money on a monthly basis. And so it's just a uh, just a little part of the corner of God's kingdom trying to do our best to, to help expand the gospel.
0: Pastor Neil, I, I'm, I'm wondering, now, do you have, is there any language problems there? Or how do you deal with... Uh With the different languages?
1: Well, yeah, actually, I I would not possibly be able to learn all the languages. In fact, uh, even in India itself, there are multiple languages. And I'm also involved in several African countries where I have their languages, Pakistan, Sri Lanka, and so forth. So, uh, whenever I travel, the leader will set up an interpreter for me so that I work through the interpreter. When I meet on Zoom with a leader, they all can understand the English, so that works. But but whenever I'm dealing with beautiful pastors, I have to have an interpreter. Okay. Well, I, I just think that's amazing, Pastor Chadwick. It all began because you was willing to go with a group to India and then found out you were going to be the only one going. That must have been a little bit scary. Yeah, it was uh, quite interesting because I didn't know until two weeks before fly day that I was going to be going alone. Um, the, the the student who I had met 20 years before, uh, his father was a pastor there, he had been denied a visa because five years earlier, his father had died, and the church that his father had planted in uh, New Delhi area called the son to come and be their pastor, and he made some errors with the filling out of his visa in such a way that he would refuse uh, a visa to come to India at that time. So now, five years later, um, they said, well, we can't give you uh, the go-ahead until we get an answer back from New Delhi. Well, that answer didn't come back in time. So that's why I ended up uh, being on my own. I did have a few leads. He had he'd had given me some uh, names and addresses from some friends of his. Uh, I, had, I had a connection through uh, my wife's childhood friends from Sweden that um, was a missionary there, and a couple others. And I just saw the leading of the Lord, took a couple invitations, and um, and that's how the Lord kind of grabbed me.
2: I think that's fascinating because I think it's so important that uh, that people hear that and sense that leading from the Lord, and it's so um, it's in so you know. You've been at this, I think you said, since 1988, uh, uh, 20 years after he first contacted you. But this has become a light, lifelong process for you, and uh, and God has supported you, it sounds like, in this ministry. And through that leading, uh, you know, it it's, sounds like it's touched a lot of people, a lot of pastors.
1: Well, it, is a, it is a thing that um, in um, around... After the first of the century, I'll uh, around uh, 2010, I mean, uh, uh, maybe earlier than that, I can't remember. May 2001, I was there right after nine eleven.
3: Mm-hmm. I
1: was in India. But then when I applied for a visa to go back to India in 2003, I was denied a visa. And uh, so I thought the door would close. But I had a... Uh, uh, one of our leaders I had worked with for many years, he had a small Bible school there, and I taught his pastors. He, he an, an Indian man, he was uh, doing a ministry in Vietnam and in Cambodia, so he invited me. Um, and so instead of going to India that year, I went to Vietnam and Cambodia. And at the same time, I got an invitation from Africa uh, through another connection. So... Um, I wasn't able to go to India, but I was able to go to another country. Ultimately, that has spread out to, like I said, Pakistan. We've been in uh, seven countries in in uh, Africa. So the Lord just leave. I did finally get the uh, uh, clearance to go back to India, so I have been back there since, since several times.
0: Now, it sounds to me, uh, I, I think I heard you speak about, uh, mention some of these pastors with uh, who have financial needs, health or financial needs, and you actually get involved in assisting in financial situations?
1: Yeah, we do that. Uh, we do that through our pastoral leader. Once a, once a quarter, we send a certain amount of money to our our leaders, and we say to them, "Now we want you to." Uh, with the assistance of one or two other uh, pastoral leaders, uh, we want you to choose those pastors in your area that are most hard pressed right now mm-hmm. in their families, their financial situation. So they will distribute um, those funds to where the need is the greatest. Um, and then the next time, it might be might be different pastors, but um, they know where the need is.
0: So you kind of have a cadre out there of these pastoral leaders in different countries.
1: Yes, right now uh, we have several in India. We have, I think, four or five in India. We have one in uh, Sri Lanka, which was an interesting situation mm-hmm. because we were working with a pastoral leader in uh, South uh, East India in the area of uh, Chennai, which was used to be called Madras. And um, he got acquainted with a pastor over in Sri Lanka, and we helped the pastor from India to go there and to meet with that group of pastors and to and to have a couple of days of teaching. We provided them the teaching material, and then the next time we were uh, we went, we were able to ourselves go to Sri Lanka and meet that group of pastors. So we've been working with them ever since. And then uh, in in good uh, mission, Pakistan, and right now we uh, are helping. Um, In Rwanda, actually, a little bit different situation, and I can explain it to you if you'd like, but uh, in Rwanda, also Kenya, and like I mentioned, Burundi, so each of those areas, we are working with these leaders who then are uh, enabled by our help to reach out to their pastors and to give them the assistance that they they might need at that time.
0: Wow, wow, Uh, this is, (laughs) it's sounding wider and wider, your circle of leaders.
2: It's just amazing to me uh, that, that uh, through that uh, contact with the Holy Spirit that you had after that, uh, that trip to, um, to India at that time, that God put that on your heart uh, to do something for that pastor or that group of pastors in India and, and to hear how it's developed over the years. I, if I can just go back for a minute and talk about that leading that you got from the Lord on the airplane on your flight back, how did that feel to you? I mean, what 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 was the uh, what was the connection there uh, that that you felt? I mean, was it was it just a a um, yeah? I guess I guess I don't want to put words in your mouth. Uh, how did how did that feel? How did you know that that was a connection from God?
1: Well, you know, it was a long trip across that ocean, and um, um, <laughs> I just remember sitting there in the airplane, traveling across, and the Lord just spoke to my heart. I I can't say it was anything audible or anything of that but I I just felt that you know, the Lord is saying to me, okay, you've got to go back. You've got to go back and, and put together groups and pastors to to, uh, to help them, to encourage them. And it was just a very clear mandate uh, from the Lord. And then that same, that same sense of leading has happened since um, in many ways. For instance, I mentioned Burundi. I was flying from Rwanda, and I was on my way uh, to... Uh, I think we was on the way to India. I had to go by way of uh, by way of uh, one of the Eastern countries, one of the big airports. And there was a, a young man sitting next to me on the airport. And uh, as we were going along, the was long flight. Um, we looked over my shoulder and saw that I was working on a computer, and I had a, a, a Bible passage there. So he said to me, he said, uh, are you a minister? and i said yes and I uh, told him a little bit about it so he introduced himself he was a pastor that was working appointed a couple of churches in Burundi, but years earlier we had relocated to south africa for financial reasons but he would every once in a while he'd make a trip back to, to churches. so we developed over the next couple of years a very good relationship so now uh, we, we've helped him to relocate back to his home country, so that he could uh, continue that work of uh, planting the churches and and developing the ministry with those pastors. So, just you know, those divine appointments that you can't possibly arrange for yourself. Yeah.
2: <laughs> you know, this is this is uh, interesting to me. And I, we've got somebody on the line here, and I don't want to take I don't want to keep her too long. But uh, I just I, I ran into uh, this uh, a friend of mine here. Uh, uh, last week, and and uh, and he's going through some uh, some issues and some some challenge in, uh, challenges in his life, and feeling led by the Lord, but not knowing where to go next. And and somebody else quoted this verse to me. It says, "Those who sow in tears shall reap with joyful shouting. He who goes to and fro weeping, carrying his back." Uh, Carrying his bag of seeds, shall indeed come again with a shout of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. And I just I think that's you know when when you're called by God, at least it is for me. You know when I feel called by God, there's a sense of of uh, of just I've got to do something. And I, I kind of relate to that to uh, to uh, you know sowing in tears. And uh, but then God gives you everything you need to uh, to, uh, to 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 uh, call to to you know I, I think about the. The uh, pastor on the airplane. I think about the um, the, uh, the the people. You said you knew some missionaries from Sweden, and uh, and all the way down the line, you know, there's always those seeds that God gives you that you can you you plant them somewhere, and, uh, and and they sprout up, and it just it just is it's amazing the way God pulls everything together. That's it's just impossible to think that you could have a ministry like this, uh, you know, all over the world.
1: I never would have imagined it. I never, early on in my life, I never would have thought that I could uh, be involved in such a thing. There was a a point uh, when I thought the Lord was going to be calling me into foreign missions. Mm -hmm. And in fact, um, we had gone so far as having a personal interview with the personnel director from Springfield, uh, from the missions department. To, to see of our ability, and we were we were on the track to uh, to move towards uh, career missionary I was at that time um, assistant pastor of a church in Cleveland, Ohio and uh, uh, the senior pastor had left um, and I was left to kind of manage the church for a while as like an inner pastor for a year or so and I was on the platform one Sunday morning and we had a guest speaker that day and um we were right in the midst of this conversation about becoming a missionary. My wife and I, you know, we had three children at that time and we were grappling with the whole concept of, you know, leaving family and friends and taking mm-hmm. our children to some unknown place where we probably would have to send them away to a boarding school and all the totally emotional issues. But we had we had agreed to it. We had said, okay, this is what the Lord wants. This is what we're gonna do. And right at that point, Sitting on the platform that day, and um, as close as I could, <laughs> close as I could describe it, I could hear I could hear a doorstep. Uh, almost in my mind's ear, I could hear a door slam, and I knew that the Lord was closing that door. And I felt at that time that I needed to um, resign from my position there. Uh, I didn't know what the Lord had for us, but I submitted my resignation. We went on vacation. And when it, by the time we got back, the Lord had opened up a door in Connecticut, Norwich, Connecticut, where I served as pastor. So I thought that part of my missions effort was over. But then, you know, a few years later was when this started. I began to realize that that impotent to do that four missions was there in me. The Lord had put it in me, and now it was going to <laughs> come, up, come to fruition only in a little bit different way than I thought.
2: Amen. Uh-huh. Amen. One door shuts and the other next one opens. We have Barbara on the phone right now. Uh, uh, can uh, can we get that, uh, Brian? Are you there, Barbara? Hello. Hi, Barbara. Hey. Are you
3: there?
2: Yes, I am. I'm so sorry to make you wait, uh, but uh, Pastor Chadwick is here, and uh, and can you hear her, Pastor Chadwick? Yes, I can hear
3: is this
1: Barbara
3: Braun.
0: Yes. Ah. Oh. <laughs> hey, Barbara Braun. How are you?
3: i'm good what what's your,
2: what, what what do you have well, to, for us today barbara
3: you Well, know, I, I just wanted to say you know um i was 23 years of age when i was saved under pastor chadwick's ministry and i just recently turned 70 so i'm i'm well familiar with him with his ministry with his integrity and for as long as i served under him i can remember that missions was always an integral part of his ministry when we were looking to expand the church he wanted us to donate half of the money that came in for us for a church in China, and uh, so on. And I had occasion um, not too terribly long ago to be part of the Zoom meeting that he has with some of these pastors in all these different countries. Oh. And the thing that struck me was their humility, their integrity, and um, their, their their just their passion for the Lord and added to that, just the um, fire that burned in them, and the desire to minister to others, and in the most intense types of um, backgrounds, there was one that, that talked about how he didn't know from one Sunday to the next how many people he was going to have in his his congregation because of the Taliban coming in and burning the churches and 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 killing some of their members and stuff, and yet the joy of the Lord in each and every one of these pastors' faces and in their words. And the selflessness in which they minister was just remarkable. I got off that phone in absolute tears and determined right then and there that I wanted to have a part in this ministry. And my question, I guess, at this point in time is, what is the greatest impact that the listeners on this radio today can do to help uh, further this ministry?
2: God bless you, Barbara.
3: Yep, thank you. And I'll hang on. Well, up to that's, uh, you uh, to that's an
1: important question. I appreciate you asking that, and thank you, Barbara, for your um, continued interest and support and um, in, your, in your prayer. Um, we do ask for people. Uh, part of it is a consciousness uh, awareness. We want people to be aware that there are faithful servants of the Lord all over the world that are that are working. Uh, you know, one of our one of our verses. I'll get back to that uh, answer in a moment. But one of the verses of the former ministry is from uh, the first chapter of Romans, where Paul says that he wants to go to the uh, to the church there in Rome, he says so that we might impart, so that I might impart some spiritual gift, and together with you be encouraged. And so, part of what we're doing is trying to impart spiritual gifts to these pastors and these leaders so that they will have the spiritual strength to go on doing their work. But it always comes back whenever uh, are there or, uh, with these pastors or communicate with them, there's always a gift that comes back. I'm always yeah. so greatly encouraged by, by their ministries. Um, but in answer to your question, Barbara, um, we do look for the prayer support, but we also look for the financial support. And there are those who are willing to designate uh, a little bit of their funds each month, and we give them assurance that those funds... Uh, they all go towards this ministry. I don't receive anything. In fact, all of my travel through all these years, and I've traveled over a dozen times overseas, it's all been my own never asked the ministry to support that. And uh, so we, we do ask, and right now, we're really looking for churches who will be willing to put ICP on their missions budget because we feel like this is a, a worthwhile investment uh, you know, I just investing in one missionary in one place in the world, uh, when people invest in ICP, they're investing in multiple missionaries in multiple places of the world uh, in a way that I think uh, we believe has much greater reach than what one missionary could ever do in those particular areas.
2: We're going to get right back to that uh, after we take a break here uh, quick. I hate to cut us off right now, but uh, we'll be back here in a couple minutes. Uh, please join us uh, with Pastor uh, Neil Chadwick, Chadwick, and we're going to talk more about uh, uh, his uh, exciting mi- ministry um, all over the world. Yes. Be right back. Don't go away. Welcome back to Simple Faith. This is Dale Carlson with Jim Barnes and Bob Bomier, and uh, we have on the line with us uh, Pastor Neil Chadwick from uh, International Christian Partnership and having a great uh, conversation about his ministry And uh, you can text us if you have a question for Pastor Chadwick at 576-5648, or you can do like Barbara just did, is call in at 725-9224. We'd love to hear from you. And uh, Pastor... uh I, I can't even remember where we left off uh this this it it was just getting exciting, I think <laughs> <laughs>
1: well it, yeah well, it's been a good it's been a good uh, sharing time uh, let me try to explain because I mentioned to you my own history about feeling at one point that I was being called into full time missionary ministry and how that door closed and and then years later, this started to materialize. so what's developed in my mind is a contrast between the normal approach that we have been taking towards foreign missions. Um, It all began over 200 years ago uh, with William Carey and others who started this pattern of leaving one country to go to another country. And we've been doing that for 230 years. And we have uh, hundreds, thousands of of career missionaries who are doing that work. However, the reality is we're losing ground. The population of the world is growing faster than the spread of Christianity, so I began to wonder. Well, maybe there's another way that we should be going about this. Uh Um, You know, it it costs for an American missionary to go to some of these uh, distant countries that I'm talking about. It costs up to eight thousand dollars a month to keep them there. That's ninety-six thousand dollars a year and they they go for uh they usually spend two years just to getting their language training and then they finally arrive and they're there for two years doing the ministry then they have to come home for for a furlough year so that they can raise more funds because often their budgets are have to be adjusted because of inflation and so forth so we're spending an, an awful lot of money to keep one missionary on the field and I began to feel like uh, our funds could be much better spent by supporting the indigenous missionaries who are already there. These are church planting pastors who are going into villages. You know, I learned a while ago that in one country, in the country of India, there are still 500,000 villages that have not received the gospel message. Hmm. Well, who was going to get there? Um I calculated at one point, I heard a population uh, description that told of the population growth in that one country of India. And I calculated quickly that if, if uh, 10,000 pastors from the USA left their churches and went to India to plant a church, and if those churches had 2,000 converts every year, they would only be keeping up with the population growth. There
2: would not be any gains. (laughs) Wow.
1: So my attitude was, that's really not working. Uh, I mean, uh, praise God for those missionaries who do that, and many of them are, you know, very effective, and I don't want to take anything away from that. But I began to think, maybe maybe there's a better way. Let's invest in... The, uh, the men, the pastors, the leaders were already there. Let's just give them a hand up and help them out, and, and we can see the growth much, much greater take place uh, than it has in the past.
0: You know, Pastor Neil, that sounds to me suspiciously like the way Paul, the Apostle Paul, did it in the Bible.
1: Well, one one of the things you learn, if you look again at the book of Acts, and one of the things that you'll find out is that over and over again, it tells that the apostles, Paul included, and other apostles, they would go out to the churches for the purpose of, and these two key words keep coming up, to encourage and strengthen. Encourage and strengthen. And I think that the rapid growth of the early church was in part because the uh the apostles were going out strengthening the churches strengthening those that were already there uh, and consequently it grew so we're trying to hitchhike on that same model by giving the encouragement giving the strength to those pastors who are already there let them know that uh, they're being loved and supported and strengthened
2: you know the other component i think that's yeah i think that's, I, I think that's uh, really uh, some good thoughts I think the other component to that, though, is, uh, is you're going over there initially to a short term conference so that you could actually see the need. And well, uh, you know, how, how important.
1: That's what, that's, what, that's what kicked it off and thought yeah. about it. And, and, and let me tell you one of the things that the Lord put on my heart, and it's always been there ever since the beginning, is the, the story of Jesus and Peter. You know, Jesus had prophesied that Peter would, would fail him and then jesus said to peter but when you are converted that's the old king james or even when you turn back he said strengthen your brethren mm-hmm. and and i have felt that's what the god spoke to me from the beginning this oh. is to be my role to be like peter and to go and strengthen the brethren so that they then can be be better equipped to do the work
2: yeah i, I think it's i think you're right you know but it's so important, I think, also that we just that people get out there and see what the need is. I mean, it's it's one thing for us to talk about it, but I can imagine that uh, that that, uh, that talking made a whole bunch of difference to you when you'd actually been over there to see it, even for a short period of time.
1: Well, yeah, and I applaud. You know, there are many churches who send their young people to short-term missions efforts a week here, a week there, mostly in this hemisphere because the cost is far too great. They never... Very rarely do you hear them going to Southeast Asia or to Africa. Right. Uh, but, but that really can make a big difference. And uh, In fact, I was just talking to somebody last Sunday. I, I spoke in uh, my daughter's church and presented ICP there. And afterwards, talking with one of the young men, well, he's now, he's now a father, he talked about what turned him, his heart was when he was a young person in the church and got to go on a missions trip. So very clearly, that is a is a big factor.
2: It's a motivating factor, yeah. And,
0: you know, a question that i was that I had in my mind was, uh, do, how what are some of the ways that you identify who are the brethren out there, the local leaders? How do you identify these guys?
1: Well, all I could say is that uh, I think the Lord's the one that does that. Ah. Um, <laughs> I, I have just followed the lead of the lord so that for example uh my first trip there a pastor came up to me and asked invited me to come to his um to to, to meet his church and so i did I, i changed my route of travel and went there and so i got to know him and then by the time I was ready to go back, he had collected a group of 30 pastors in his area because I already knew him. I knew that you know this oh. would go well, sure enough. So I, I've been back to the place a couple of times. And so one by one, I've met these various um, pastors and I've been in their homes, uh, I know their families and, and I'm willing to invest And then one of them, I can tell you, uh, when he began, he was just uh, serving out in a in a village area, a very rural area, and um, he has moved his ministry into the city of Hyderabad. I've gone back there several times, and uh, now he has branched out he is overseeing churches in five or six different states in india right this this month he's traveling to three of those areas to bring the pastors together we've given them them a little bit of uh, help with the with the finances for those things so he's multiplying uh what we've been doing So that's, that's the way it works. You know, I, I can't say that I'm a mastermind on this. That, uh, but boy, that's exciting. I'm just trying to be faithful to follow his lead. That's exciting. But, but we do it with, a, with a, great deal, a great deal of care and caution. Um, in Rwanda, for example, um, we're working with a group of Anglican churches. Oh. We're working um, in a northern area of Rwanda. There are 217 churches. And uh, we've been there now three or four times. And there we, we do a little bit differently. Uh, Rwanda's government has put out a mandate that a, a pastor cannot serve in a church in Rwanda unless he has the adequate seminary credentials. And it's because they've had so many um, churches grow up that, that are uh, they're only exploiting the people and not really ministry. So the mm-hmm. government's gotten involved. So as a result of the genocide 26, 27 years ago, many of the pastors had fled on Rwanda uh, or many of them had been killed. So they had all these churches with no one to pastor. So, so they appointed whoever whoever they could, but they never had the training. Now they're having to send them back to seminary to get the training. So w- through ICP, we're supporting some of these Uh, men to go back to seminary to get the training that they need. Uh, Pastor Chadwick, uh, we've got just a couple of minutes. We really need to get information. How would another church get a hold of you? Well, uh, I'm not sure how you want to do that. I I can put out my phone number, which they could also text to. I can give you uh, an address um, that could be available uh, so that they could contact me that way.
0: All of the above.
1: So you you have my phone number, yes, uh, uh, and that c- can be used as a text. I can give you uh, my uh, email address. Uh, is very simple, pastor dot Chadwick at yahoo.com. Very simple, pastor dot Chadwick at yahoo.com. And I'm living in uh, New Jersey, a place called Pittman, New Jersey, P I T M A N. Our address is 30 North Summit Avenue, and it's 8071 zero eight zero seven one area code. So any of those ways, uh, they could call uh, 856-956-6022 or uh, email me, send me a text, uh, be, be in touch in any of those ways.
2: Could you give me your uh, mailing address again, please? Yes, yeah. Uh,
1: yeah, yeah, it's 30 North Summit Avenue. In what town? In and that's Pittman. P as in Peter, I-T as in Tom, Pittman, New
2: Jersey 08071. 08071? yes okay New Jersey
1: wonderful when we, when we retired from full-time ministry we moved to this town so we could be near one of our oh, daughters
2: I see well pastor Chadwick uh, I have certainly enjoyed having you on the air today and I get excited talking to you and I get excited about what God has done through your life it's been a long it's been a long um, time and uh, um and uh, God just keeps blessing uh, when we follow Him, and I know you know that better than we do. And uh, and and I just want to encourage anybody that's out there that's hearing something from God. So you see a need, uh, it's God calling you to meet that need the, to the best of your ability, and do you, do He'll.
1: You have a minute so that I could name some names.
2: Yes, go ahead. You got just a minute when the when the music comes on, you're We're gonna done. you're gonna disappear. But go uh, God bless you.
1: Okay, these are names for pastors to pray for. These are pastoral leaders. Pastor Isaac, Pastor Enos, Pastor Suresh, Pastor John, Pastor Asha, Pastor Asaph, uh Bishop Emmanuel, Pastor Degratius, uh Pastor um, Pascal. Those are uh, some of the pastoral leaders that we're working with and they need your prayer.
2: God bless you. Oh, Thanks God for coming through. Thank you. Thank I, you. I, thank this you.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. so much Thank you.
2: Yes.